0: Welcome to episode two of the unofficial Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis and I'm joined by fellow Celtics Redditors and all-around nice guys, Jackson. Hello. Very nice word. Very nice of you to say,
1: so thank you, Ben.
0: And for the first time, Joe. How are you, Joe? I'm good. Are you, are you so sure that I'm nice? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you look like a nice guy, uh, so we're going to run with that for now. He's right um, through your, yeah, your post, man analyzed a lot (laughs) I read through all your post history (laughs) I know everything about you Uh, just some housekeeping Uh, you can find us on Twitter at rcelticspod and of course all over the Celtics subreddit we're also now available on Apple Podcasts Stitcher and Pocket Cast so please get in there and subscribe and rate us 5 stars we're a new podcast so take that 2 minutes out of your day it will genuinely help us out coming up on the show we're going to recap the past week's games and all their glory We'll be checking in on our closest rivals on a new segment called Opponent Watch. We'll look ahead at what's coming up for the Celts in the next week. And, of course, uh, look at all the news around the team and around the subreddit as well. But first, guys, uh, Celtics at Pistons on Friday the 23rd. Uh, the Celtics uh, took it away in Detroit there. They won 110-98. Uh, to 98. Uh, What do you guys think? It was a
2: relief to get a lead and hold a lead. My goodness. It was... It was just nice to have. It was just nice to have a have a game where I wasn't like nervous about that seven point lead stretching out to twelve, stretching out to fifteen, stretching out to eighteen, yeah. twenty one. You know, it was just like it was just under control. Or having to come back from fourteen again. And it was just a kind of a relaxing way to spin my Saturday.
1: There was funny you say that because there was a point in the fourth, in the third quarter, I believe, where um, the Pistons got it back to four points, and then, uh, as a, a quite popular post on the subreddit pointed out, we then went on a twenty-two to six run over the next nine minutes and thirty-two seconds. Uh, Detroit missed eight straight shots, and uh, you can't attribute all to one person, but it probably is no coincidence that uh, one Marcus Smart was on that yes. floor for the entire stretch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So good to have that guy back. Um, And he had a a nice little stat line as well. I think I've got that written down here. Uh, No, I just have Marcus Smart uh, in big capital letters (laughs) written down. Uh, There were some notable stat lines uh, from the night, though. Uh, So, yeah, the return of Marcus Smart, 12 points, 6 assists, 3 boards, and a tied team high with Terry Rozier, plus 15. Uh, so, really good to have that guy back. Um, we should also note that Kyrie uh, had 18 points, 6 assists, and 5 boards with only 1 turnover. So, he's, he's getting some of those more like typical point guard stats now that he's sort of without LeBron and getting used to our system, which is really good to see. Sort of lower points and, and higher intangibles and those assists and uh, rebounds as well. Um, And we have to point out um, for uh, the the very prominent Reddit user, uh, Fungos. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Fungos. (laughs) uh, Daniel Tice, a team high, 19 points with seven boards, two steals, and two blocks. We know that Baines went down early in that game. And Tice, uh, I want to say, took over the game. And, uh, you know, there's some pretty uh, dominant big men there with the trait um, with uh, Drummond and whatnot. And uh, what did you guys think of Tice? Irresistible. Absol- Big Den- <laughs> Big Denny T doing an absolute job on uh, the Pistons
1: there. Yeah, it was fantastic. I think a lot of us have um, have really warmed the ties. He's been a fantastic pickup. I think everyone would be uh, unanimous uh, in that consensus. But, um, yeah, that was probably more or less of a career night for him. I don't have his stats in front of me to see if that was his um, all-time, if it was his career high in scoring. But um, he's, the impact he had was fantastic, I think, along with with his impact filling in for Baines and the presence of Smart there, I think we obviously saw the results. And it's good signs, good signs going forward, particularly for that second unit.
2: Yeah, I believe, it's- yeah, I believe it's, it would be a Tice fact <laughs> that, he, uh, that he had uh, his career his high, career high yeah. <laughs> that night. Um, um, do, yeah, I just completely trust him. You know how there's like some, some dudes that when they're in the game, you just, like, you, you just you just have an unease about, you know? Like, <laughs> like Marcus Smart's my favorite player. But there is a certain, like, I'm not willing to trust Marcus Smart completely, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, but, Tice, I just trust him, trust him completely. He, he, he doesn't make bad plays, in my estimation. Yeah.
0: Marcus Smart, like, you see him with that look in his eyes sometimes where he's got the ball and the clock's not even like running particularly low. And you just know he's going to put that shot up. Uh, but Daniel Tice is the most, like, veteran rookie I've ever seen. I mean, he is 25 years old and he's played some Pro Bowl in the past in, you Germany, I believe. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I I trust, I trust in that man. I know Fongo's trusts in that man. And, um, it was cool to see the little, um, I don't want to call it little, like the, the huge, uh, highlight play that he put together where it was like every bucket that he made and the hoop was exploding in flames. Like every time Tice put the ball in the bucket. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's, uh, it's very much worth checking out. Everyone does need to see it.
1: Everyone needs a Fongo's Tice highlight reel in their life.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The the Fongos thing is like what being a fan on the internet is just like it makes it so awesome. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like this is exactly what this is exactly what basketball on the internet should be. Should be Fongos and his ilk making great videos like. Is, that has anyone
1: been to his YouTube channel homepage? I believe okay. his his banner is there's Daniel Tyus on one side just pulling this face and then right next to him I <laughs> think it's Jonas Jarepio doing the same thing. Yeah. And you can just imagine if he gave the keys of the Celtics to, um, to Fongos you can imagine what the starting uh, backcourt or what court would be rather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tyus like starting
0: at point guard just like bringing the ball up every time and like shooting threes just doing everything. Yeah, it's it's great. Like last year for Fungos, it was uh, Derebko. You know, he he was all right. Had a bit of a cult uh, following. But Tyus is actually like playing a really solid role in this team, and I think he's going to get some uh, some solid playoff minutes. You know, we can talk about the Pistons game. Uh, v- you know, through the the vehicle of Daniel Tyus all night. We should move on to uh, another win, another f- fantastic Celtics win in the past week uh, against the Knicks. Uh, 121 to 112 uh, in Madison Square Garden, and oh look, Kyrie Irving again doing really, really well. Our all-star point guard, 31 points, eight assists, nine rebounds, and two steals, finishing with a game-high plus 22. Um, just awesome to see, you know, our own superstar
2: absolutely owning it in uh, in the garden. What did you guys think? That's what Kyrie Kyrie does. Uh, he um he does have a he has a. Like a ponchant for for taking, the, he loves to take like the real backbreaker pull up three in transition, or, or or just one quick screen and, and, and just pull up. And sometimes, sometimes it puts my heart puts my heart in my mouth. But he's so good. I, I, I think for me probably the big takeaway from the game probably just Jalen Brown's aggressiveness. Like, uh, um, not to divert the conversation too much, but but I, I just I sort of feel like right now the difference between Jalen Brown and Tatum. Not to wander onto that uh, particular. <laughs> <laughs> circular <laughs> landmine, but but um, but I I just I do think it's fair to say Brown is more aggressive, and and aggressiveness complements winning. And um and and I was really pleased with with Brown's performance in that yeah, game. Yeah, I think
1: I'd, I'd say the biggest difference you can see between Tatum and, and Brown, obviously, is there's the year of experience. I mean, there's times when Tatum looks a little bit timid. You know, sometimes he gets that that streak on, and I think it was it was the Detroit game. I think he hit his first four shots or something along those lines. He was yeah, he was playing true. really efficient. But yeah, no Brown, um, you can just see that confidence. I think there's a he probably has a slight athletic athleticism edge over there, just in the way that he can get up and he can you know elevate and and take the ball to the strong his handle i think they both don't have the best handle but i feel i feel a little bit more confident when jalen's got the ball in his hands going to the rim um, as opposed to tatum Look, not to again not to um turn it into a pro- who's better out of the two of them but yeah no i would <laughs> definitely agree with that that um jalen brown's aggressiveness in that game was a, a huge factor as, as well as Kyrie's handles did anyone see that movie put on um what's his name nilakina he didn't hit the shot i don't yeah. think but he just literally sent him oof, oh, like in, into rosette it was <laughs>
0: yeah. beautiful take that rookie yeah, I mean, we all we all love uh, Jason Tatum, man. We all know that you can post literally just Jason Tatum on a, a post game thread on the subreddit and get like a million upvotes. But Jalen Brown, twenty four points, three boards, shooting well over fifty percent uh ten for uh, for seventeen from the field. It was great and a nice little sort of bounce back game after the Pistons game where he was a bit quiet, and. While Tatum may have hit the rookie wall somewhat, and has moments where it looks like he's climbed over that wall, uh, it's Jalen Brown who, like you said, Jackson, um, has that
2: consistency as a second-year player and a little bit more stamina. I think he's also, to me, he's kind of pushing the boundaries of his game a little more, and that's part of maybe part of his aggressiveness. And, and uh, Zach Lowe, you know, in, in his ten things he likes, pointed out Brown developing as, as a secondary playmaker, and like in the Detroit game, yeah, he shot poorly, but the. Um, like, did you see that left-handed bounce pass he made to Tice? Like, like he he it was. I have a note. I think it was somewhere in the third quarter. But like he yeah. he um he 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 drove left. He drove left, hesitated, and just dropped it. with a left hand left hand bounce pass is a really difficult one to throw, you know, just hit hit hit, hit Tice perfectly. And and it, yeah, um, I guess his aggressiveness is enabling him and maybe to grow his game a little quicker than Tatum can right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the post game thread, uh, user. Grain McMuffin, uh, he's making me hungry, and he also said, I took Marcus for granted. I'm assuming he means Marcus Smart. He is a must-re-sign. <laughs> now, Smart and Rogier, they had nice contributions off the bench. Uh, both were double figures, but nothing notable um, in any sort of stat column. But I think, again, it's safe to say that Smart, uh, back you know for his second game there, he really affects winning, as we like to say, around the sub. And I, I absolutely think he's a must-sign. Let's move on to the the Memphis game very quickly. So that happened today, if you're in our time zone, earlier today, or uh, if you're listening in the US, yesterday at this point. Notable stat lines, Kyrie Irving again, 25 points, six rebounds, and five assists. Shooting uh, five for eight from beyond the arc. And we 24 had nice minutes co- too, I believe that was. Twenty-four minutes, yeah, because yeah. there was no need to bring back the firepower of uh, of Kyrie Irving. Rozier with a nice contribution off the bench, uh, 15 points and four rebounds, and Tice again, 12 points, seven rebounds, shooting five for eight. So I'm sure, uh, uh Fongos was tickled pink with the uh the Tice contribution there. <laughs> um, what do you guys think about today's game?
1: It was just a. a- perfect continuation of the two games that preceded it you know it was comfortable I think you know the game was never really in doubt come much towards I wouldn't say from the end of the first quarter I had no doubts it was going to be safe but that lead just built and built and built and built and it was like Memphis chipped away at it in the second half but it was completely fruitless I don't think anyone was ever worried that that game was going to get away from us something that I noticed I think I saw it in the um in the game thread I can't remember who wrote it down but it was uh we'd never put Nader or Jabari Bird or Kadeem Allen or anyone else like that into Mm -hmm. um the game in the first half when we were still building the lead it's like we stayed aggressive we were putting in more of the starters the rotation was a lot um you know tighter around and I think the score absolutely reflected that You know, we didn't uh, regress at any point and give them a, an opportunity to get back into the game, we just kept aggressive continued to shoot, the shooting was excellent and our defence I thought was really good too, again probably put that down to Marcus Smart's um, uh, return as well too but um, no, all around just a fantastic game to watch and a nice easy win
2: I was in a uh, New Zealand text update seminar for those three hours so unfortunately, oh I, can't, I don't have a lot to add, I did watch the highlights looked great <laughs> Yeah, it was a fun game. Uh, a
0: couple of notes. Uh, Rogier, he comes in late in the first and immediately hits a three. Uh, I love his hustle. And then with like a minute left in the first quarter, uh, sorry, a minute left in the game, he grabs a rebound. We're up by a lot. Like the the game is, is done at this point. He grabs the rebound and like a lightning bolt goes coast to coast for this amazing, but very unnecessary contested, like injury risk layup and hits it, which is classic Rogier. And he really embodies like, it sounds a bit cliche, but like he's the embodiment of a Celtic there where, like, the game's done. Like, he could basically dribble out the possession and be safe. Um, but he just does this, like, absolutely baller, street move style layup and gets the bucket just because he can and because he needs to, I suppose. I um, noticed
1: a similar play as well, too. I think it was the. Memphis had a they were three-on-one or they, they were they were clear in for a layup. And Jalen Brown just came out of absolutely nowhere and just swats the ball away. And this is like with us, we had at least a 20-point lead. I can't remember when in the game this was, but this was the type of play that you would just not expect anyone to get back and hustle for. And he did it and he pulled the block off and it was amazing. So I think it was a great effort around from everybody.
0: Yeah, definitely. And another thing of note was the ball movement uh, in this game and the last two games as well. There was a play uh, of note at the 6.5 minute mark in the first quarter. Kyrie lobbed it into Horford in the paint, uh, who was immediately double teamed, and Horford kicked it back to Kyrie at the top of the key, who immediately swung it to an open Jalen Brown in the corner, who splashed the three. And it was like this—I know they're not technically a big three, but it was this awesome, like, sort of connection between these three guys, who were, you know, obviously. Um, you know, big uh, marquee players uh, within our franchise at the moment. And it was just good to see the connection between those guys. And that's not something that we saw in that stretch um, after the London game leading up to the All-Star game where, you know, we were in a a little bit of trouble in terms of our ball movement and our offense in general. Um, And while there were a few uh, defensive uh, rotation issues today where we let, particularly early in the game, uh, some of the Memphis players have easy looks at the basket. We corrected. Uh, that in the second half, and we maintained that ball movement. So that was, that was really good to see. And I'm excited for this uh, home stretch moving into the playoffs.
1: The all-star break has been very good for us so far.
0: Absolutely. Now, before we move on, uh, I know we've probably talked about it ad nauseum already. Uh, Kyrie Irving, man, he was just dazzling everybody in the building tonight. You know, we were saying last week uh, about having our starting point guard uh, as the starting all-star point guard, but like... I. I can't emphasize this enough. We have a superstar on our team, we haven't had that uh, since Kevin Garnett. Like he's our guy, and he's freaking amazing. The I- Isaiah Thomas story was great, uh, you know, and a lot about what he could do at his size, what he was capable of at five foot nine, and the fact that he was draft- drafted last and everything. But Kyrie is just a legit, you know, number one pick and total superstar. And uh, just appears to like playing here as well. And he likes Brad and he likes the guys on the team. And that's rare to have that combination of just a total superstar who enjoys where he is and there's no drama around him in the media or anything. And uh, I just, I can't emphasize uh, how much we shouldn't um, take that for granted and how enjoyable it is.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. I think watching the All-Star game, I only saw the last five minutes, but, but you can tell like, They're giving him the ball, you know. It's pretty clear um, where he stands in the pecking order in the league. And you're right, like, I I miss the Isaiah Thomas narrative. Like, I loved, it was a really fun team to follow. Yeah, that was super fun. Kyrie's better, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's legit. Uh, now, just b- quickly before we move on uh, from the past three games. So, in the game thread uh, today for the Grizzlies game, user uh, Zach ZZ, hope I'm saying that right, uh, said, lol, at the Grizzly announcer saying, Kyrie ain't a superstar, uh, shaking my head, um, which kind of, you know, comes off the back of what we were just talking about. I, I don't really know um, what you guys think about this, but that, you know, that guy's got a lot of guff to call that out. Um He must have, I guess, imagined that not a lot of uh, Grizzlies fans were watching the game because, you know, aside from Marc Gasol, why would they? No offense, Grizzlies fans. Um, But I guess he's just trying to, you know, ruffle our our, uh, jimmies a little bit. (laughs) What do you guys think?
1: I think a lot of people's definition of a superstar varies from one to another. I think, you know, some people would only say, you know, you've got LeBron, you've got Durant, you've got Curry, maybe AD. And that's really about it. I'm probably sure I'm moving a bit hard in Excel. I could use those out people. But there'll be a lot of arguments against guys like Westbrook and, you know, Damian Lillard and guys like that. Whereas someone like Kyrie, like, you could make the argument, oh, yeah, sure, he has never won it, you know, on his own. He never won it, you know, without LeBron and blah, 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 blah. But, like, the dude's 25 years old. You know, he's been playing with LeBron. He's obviously picked up a lot from him and a lot from that Cavaliers team that he has bought with us. And now he's the leader. Now he's taking over this young unit, this young dynamic team. And he's got a really, really underrated and amazing head coach and GM franchise in general behind him that's allowing him to flourish. And look, he's injury-free so far. He's drama-free so far. The biggest, you know... Uh, i don't know grievance that I have with him is sometimes when he starts talking about really heady intellectual philosophical matters. <laughs> he does sound yeah. like a bit of a tit, but yeah. he's, he's he's allowed to he's allowed to say these things, and as long as he's performing on the court, this is the standard that he has, I have no issues with it whatsoever i couldn't be happier with him
2: yeah <laughs> he just yeah he he definitely he, he definitely likes making a word salad, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't get league pass for word salad, man. I get league pass for watching Kyrie just dominate the flow of a game. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. That's right. And if you Google game winning shot, you'll have many a night's, uh, weeks worth of videos to watch. If you Google championship winning shot, you'll only see one replay, and that's Kyrie Irving hitting that shot against the Warriors in Game Seven for you know another team. You know, so be it. But now we've got him, and he's only getting better. So, uh, you know, while the the Cavs got the chip there, I feel like we're making away with uh the better deal, uh, potentially in the end. Now, uh, moving on, a new segment, opponent watch. So, uh, it's probably important given our our standings uh, as a team, as a franchise in this particular season, where you know we we started off particularly well in the first seed, and we've recently and unfortunately dipped down into the two seed. Currently, only half a game back. Uh, From the Raptors and, you know, the Cavs are, I think, seven or so games behind us in the win column. We thought it would be nice to add a regular and quick uh, segment to this podcast where we quickly check in on our opponents. Now, the Cavaliers, one and two since the All-Star break. The Raptors, three and one since the All-Star break. So, they did drop that game against Milwaukee, fortunately, which allowed us to claw back uh, a game because we've won everything since the All-Star break. Unlike the Raptors, who earns? Uh, now, the race for the one state is important, and they were talking about it on the, uh, the broadcast today between Scal and uh, Mike Gorman, that it's important uh, for us to have home court advantage if we do match up against the, Ravs, the Raps pardon me, and uh, the Cavs as well. Uh, thoughts, guys?
1: Well, the Cavs, I think we would be very naive to say that they wouldn't be our biggest threat I mean as well as the Raptors are playing right now obviously currently holding the first seed they're in some fantastic form I think bar that Milwaukee win that won was that like that would have been like eight in a row something along those lines anyway yeah. I've been quite impressed with them again I think the biggest um, reservation that everyone has about that squad is can they do it in the postseason they've never been I think beyond the conference semi-finals. so if they do run into LeBron and the Cavs you know are they going to be able to get their way out of that if they run into us whether that be in the semi finals or the conference finals. Um, how are they going to perform there? Obviously, I think it would be naive to um, write them off. But since they've rebuilt their squad, one and two, you know, it's not the most impressive, you know, uh, run of form that they've had since that um, that traumatic game that we won't mention a few weeks back but look they're going to take some time to put that team together I think ultimately if LeBron is performing and LeBron is happy and LeBron is doing his thing then that team is going to be performing it's going to be dangerous but if he's not performing or if there are little niggling issues that start to work their way into it then they might not be as mighty as we once feared but again it's going to come down to if we do face them in the final if when we do face them in the playoffs if we face them in the playoffs um, how well we're going to be able to deal with LeBron and I think it will all stem from there
2: yeah, I'm just gonna go out on a limb, and I I'm pretty sure the Raptors have got this uh, one seed. I, I think it's looking pretty hard for us to pull it back. Like just looking at that slate of games they've coming up, they've very helpfully put in our run sheet <laughs> for the uh, for the Raptors, Magic, Wizards, Hornets, Hawks, Pistons, Rockets, Knicks, Nets, Pacers, Mavericks. There's sort of only really two games that jump out to me there as as being if you put the Pacers in, but like like that's a that's um. That's a pretty easy slate, and then we've got you know Hornets, Rockets, Bulls, Wolves, Pacers, Wizards, Magic, Pelicans, Thunder, Blazers. Like, there's a lot of playoff teams in our in our run, and and, yeah, it's just it's just going to get really tight. Uh, It's it's I I feel pretty confident that the the Raptors are probably going to get it, and the Cavs are probably not going to be able to catch us. So I expect to see them in in round two. Raptors are funny, eh? Like it's it's I feel like we're the only team in the league that's scared of them. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like because they've just been our daddy for like three years, eh? And and um, everyone else is like, oh, they haven't done it in the postseason, but like, they have owned us like consistently for for quite a while. And that points differential, man, that's um, that really jumps off the page, here. Yeah? yeah. So so yeah, I, I'm I'm concerned about both equally, to be honest. Um, and I think the Raptors. Sorry, Uh I
0: was just gonna say, DeMar DeRozan. Um is like he has a LeBron effect against us uh, in the sense that whoever we throw against him, he always seems to dominate. You know, even in the last few seasons when we've thrown Avery Bradley, arguably one of the better perimeter defenders in the past 10 years or so, throw him directly at at DeMar DeRozan for absolutely no... Sort of repayment at all, like he just completely continues to dominate and score just as LeBron does on anyone that we throw at him. So, um, yeah, you're right. Like uh, either of those two teams, and in in my opinion, and particularly the Raptors, um, are scary uh, not only in the regular season but in the playoffs as well. So. It would be really nice if we can get the one seed and at least get home court advantage. But with that record that the Raptors have compared to ours, um, and even the Cavs have a much easier record in the next 10 games or so, um, I just don't see it happening. But, you know, we've been playing quite well in the last three games. So uh, who knows what might happen?
1: I'm sure Brad and everyone would tell you that they're not thinking about the one seed. They're just focusing on the rotations and getting everything better and playing well and everything like that. But the one seed is hugely important, I think. You know, it didn't do us any favors last year, but I think we all can honestly say that this team that we've got now, at least potentially, and I would even say probably on paper now, is stronger than the team that we had last year and would put up a better fight, whether it be against the Cavs or the Raptors in the game that we eventually face them in.
2: Yeah, agreed. I think the one seed would be hugely beneficial. It means we play one of them instead of two of them in the playoffs, right? So, um, yeah, I think it's certainly it's certainly worth um, expending a considerable amount of energy for, but um, but it will be a big ask.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Now. Uh... In the past week, uh, between episode one and episode two, uh, we do assemble a bit of a run sheet to, to make things easy for us and for you, the listener. One thing that we added, uh, will Gordon Haywood come back this season? Uh, now, we were all bright-eyed and optimistic um, at the time of adding this to our run sheet. And since then, you know, Brad uh, came out and basically said, we have no expectation of Gordon being back this season. Um uh, now, you know, is that Brad Steven- Stevens being Brad Stevens and channeling his you know, his inner Greg Pop- Popovich, uh, or is that a legitimate statement? Uh I-, I think it's just something that they're putting out there uh to not put pressure on Hayward. I think that three twenty three is very much alive. Um and that's something that's it's been very prominent on the subreddit over the past, you know, for the the season uh so far. Uh, I'm very hopeful, uh, and I was saying to the guys before we recorded this podcast, it's like legitimately the last thing that I think about before I fall asleep every night is the, uh, you know, the beautiful uh, Gordon Hayward, you know, uh, str- coming back out onto the court with his hair perfectly propped up and combed and uh, and gelled and just looking like everything we always imagined him to be, and just dominating and scoring 40 points, all the assists coming from Kyrie while he dominates as well, and uh, I could probably go on about this fantasy for a while. Um, what do you guys think? Is he coming back or not?
1: I'm, I'm gonna have to be the uh, the pessimist here. I would say more uh, realistic, but I would say no, he's not. <laughs> um, now, look, if I think if he was fit to go and wanted to go, then I don't see any reason why Brad would hold him back and would not be able to put him back into the rotation. Like, let's—they would have worked all off season on a plan that involved him in in the middle of it. Now, obviously. He lasted six minutes, came to a very devastating end, and they had to retool the way that they were going to move forward. How different is that system to what it would look like with Gordon Haywood in it as to what it looks like without him in it? I don't know. But I would think if he did come back, he would fit in nicely, and I think it would just be a matter of him working off his rust, him getting back to the form that he was before we signed him. And if he did come back, I think no... Doubt it would make us better, you know. Particularly in a playoff situation, even if he was fresh, I think it would be a positive thing to have. But I still don't see it happening. I don't think you know a broken tibia is anything to kind of rush back from. And I think if you're going to put him back into the rotation, putting him back, you know, the back end of the season or in the playoffs when the intensity is no going to no doubt going to be elevated, and you know. I don't like to, you know, get too far ahead of ourselves, but let's just say he does come back and everything's all good. We find ourselves in a finals meeting against the Golden State Warriors and Zaza Pachulia just, you know, sees him <laughs> taking a nice little yeah. jumper there and might have to move over. Like, we don't want that risk. You don't want, to, you don't want any kind of... <laughs>
2: September!
1: <laughs> He's so clumsy, man. You know, he can't help it. He's seven. seven you know, he just falls
0: over, whatever. Yeah, no, he look, has um, no control of his body. No, nah, professional player. How could he not? <laughs> um,
1: no, look, I, I would love to see him back, but I am kind of accepted that he won't be. I expect to see him with you know a, a fresh cut and all the swagger you want expect from him back for game one next season. Um, but I would love to be wrong.
2: I'm yeah. an optimist. I'm a team optimist, and 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 I, I don't read too much into the quote because if Brad Stevens honestly expected him to come back, I think the quote that he gave would be identical to the one he, that he did. Like I think he would. I, I, I don't think there's any um, upside for him. And raising expectations um, publicly, um, I think this is this is kind of how I look at. I'm like, okay, Hayward's was he? Tw- he's 27, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. he's 27. He's 27. Um, you've got only X amount of opportunities as an as an NBA player to play in meaningful meaningful games. And um, if Hayward sits out this postseason, um, he is throwing away an opportunity, and he's and he's actually good to go, and he's actually fit. To me, that would be insane because he's only going to have X amount of opportunities to, to participate at this level. Like, you know, next year, um, you know, Kyrie could get hurt or, you know, Horford yeah. could get hurt. or You know, any number of things can happen. And, and, and I think, like, as a player, it's pretty prudent to take advantage of opportunities that you have in your prime. But, I mean, who knows? This is conjecture. This is fun. But I'm in Team Optimus. You could well be right, Jackson. You could well be right. Um. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely
0: right. I mean, you would like to think that, you know, Potentially, we're up against the Cavs or the Raptors in the uh, conference finals, and we're up 3-2, uh, and we're on the road, and Hayward's healthy, and we're like, hey, man, like, can you come back and help us out? Like you're Gordon Haywood, you're an all-star, uh, you're a great player, you've got great hair, um, can you come <laughs> back and join the team and, and help us out? Um, and if he's healthy at that point, if he's cleared to play, like you, you, would have to, you would like to imagine that he would uh, hop on the court and do his thing, even if it's in a supportive role, off the bench. Um, if he is particularly healthy at that point and is allowed to play, uh, you have to question whether or not there might be a chemistry issue with this team gelling like they have you know, with the younger guys all season. Would the addition of a, you know, a potentially ball-dominant all-star at that point actually be detrimental to the team? I wouldn't like well, to think too. Well, they looked
2: so. pretty awesome in preseason. Yeah, like they did. <laughs> pre-season was amazing. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've, you've probably got to make the call that yes, adding an all-star to your lineup is going to be a good thing and not a bad thing. Um, but you know, have to play devil's yeah, advocate. If he can there. play,
1: if he can play to all-star level, I would say. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And, and someone has to lose minutes, right? Like that, that closing five. Who sits, right? Like. I guess potentially Probably. Jason Tatum. You you know, Tatum right? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah he's had, he
0: hit that rookie wall um, and that wall's only going to be steeper that late in the postseason. Um, so to be able to bring him off the bench and allow him to do his thing in limited minutes with less fatigue, you know, uh, it's a pipe dream. Um, we could, <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I could talk about this forever, but uh, he may not be coming back at all. So um, you know, maybe we should keep a uh, sort of a level of realism here and... Uh, And just move on. But anyway, uh, we're going to be keeping on top of that uh, here at the Unofficial Celtics Reddit Podcast. If there is any news on Gordon Hayward, whether it be about his haircut, uh, his uh, rehabilitation, or his potential to rejoin the team, whether it be uh, traveling or on the court, we will let you guys know. Now, uh, moving on, uh, one thing that we really like to discuss here in our final segment here uh, on the podcast is to discuss the past week's top posts on r slash Boston Celtics. Now, we do have listed here at number one, and it, it is the number one post uh, from the past week on the Celtics, is Daniel Tice's career high 19 points, which is posted by, you guessed it, Fongos. Now, we already discussed this um, at, at, to a large degree earlier in the podcast, so. We're probably just going to cruise uh, past this. If you, if you haven't seen the highlight reel that uh, Fongos has posted to YouTube, definitely check it out. It is so many things, uh, all of which are awesome. Uh, NBA Jam style flames uh, emanating from the hoop as Daniel Tice just like masters the game of basketball and throws down buckets um, in only the way that Daniel, Daniel Tice can. So Daniel Tice removes all reason for doubt. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go and that check it out. out. Moving on to the next thing. Uh, J King, uh, there was a tweet posted by, uh, I think it was user Golden Hawk. Apologies if I got that wrong. And he posted uh, the tweet, advanced numbers for Greg Monroe in the last few games do not look good. Uh, is he getting settled in or will he be a liability in the playoffs? Uh, what do you guys think?
1: I would be very hesitant to say that he's going to be a liability for us. I mean, he's been here, what, a, a week, two weeks maybe? I mean, he's, yeah. he needs to be put into the rotation and needs to find his his spot absolutely. Now, given that he was a, he was a DMP today in such a, a, a comfortable sort of encounter, does raise a question or two in my mind about where Brad Stevens sees him fitting in or whether or not Brad Stevens, you know, knows how to properly implement him then. But, I mean, I haven't looked at the advanced numbers, I have to admit. Um, based on what I've seen of him, he doesn't look, you know, spectacular or anything like that. But I wasn't expecting him to be spectacular. So I'm nothing I'm not concerned about it to, um just yet, but um
2: it depends. My my take on, on Monroe is like one, you've got small sample size issues here, but two, we know we know Monroe's not a plus defender, right? Like that's that's pretty uh um, no. that that that's part of the bargain that you make, right? To me the, the concern with him is is he's just been finishing really poorly. Um and it look, he looks he looks kind of slow and leaden, and and to me, like if, if he if he produces offensively at his normal pace, he's gonna he's gonna return to being the same, to being to, to producing at the same level in total, right? So so yeah, too long. Don't read. He's not good at defending. He's not finishing at the same rate that he normally would finish at. Therefore, his advance numbers are just going to be affected by that, right? Just the fair, sheer fact that the ball hasn't gone on the hoop when it's left his hands. I think is probably contributing to that as much as anything.
0: Yeah, I think um, the fact that he's a defensive zero, if you will, was a sort of a known fact uh, when we signed him. Um, But one thing we all sort of painstakingly are aware of as Celtics fans is the fact that uh, Greg Munro used to dominate us in the paint. Um, We talked about this last week briefly, um, whenever we would play against him. So the fact that he's on the bench... And it sounds brutal because, like, you know, he's a guy with a job and we want him to do well. Um, But the fact that he's on the bench and away from an opponent um, who might otherwise dominate us with Greg Monroe on their squad is a good thing for our team. So even when he's doing nothing, if you really want to take the the true optimist standpoint, even when he's doing nothing, he's doing something for the Celtics. So hopefully he can. Great take. Great take. I I think so. I think at some point he he is going to redevelop that um, offensive post game that we've known him for. I think uh, hopefully by the playoffs, once he becomes a little bit more comfortable in the system and with the team and with the franchise, with the status that the Celtics have, uh, and probably kills some of those nerves, I think he's going to become a little bit more effective. Fortunately, we have the time uh, for that sort of thing to develop, um, and we can be excited about what he might give us in the playoffs. I also think that it's a situational matchup thing where we can throw Monroe, it sounds weird because we just talked about how poor he can be defensively but we can throw him as another big with six fouls to give at big men you know such as uh, Dwight Howard or in a playoff situation uh, Hassan Whiteside so I think he's going to be a good guy to have coming off the bench in that sense
1: you could just see him coming off and filling a similar role that we saw Gerald Green do in the playoffs last year, you know, where things might not be working is so what do we do? We'll just throw, you know, player X in and all of a sudden something just works. You know, you know, if should we find ourselves, you know, in a bit of a hole or in a bit of a you know, a slump somewhere throughout the playoffs or even before the playoffs, you know, there's no way there's no way that he, you know, is not going to be involved, you know, in the lead up to it, you know, if they do have a plan for him to be in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now I must call yeah. out before we move on that it was user uh, Tysus statement, who initially posted that Jay King tweet, and user Golden Hawk, who I mentioned before, uh, pointed out uh, that it's still a pretty small sample size, and you have to take into account the players he spends floor time with. So um, that's going to be an interesting thing to continue to monitor uh, between now and the playoffs.
2: Just, just a quick thing on Jackson's comments there. I think, I think that's probably right, and and we referred earlier um to the Detroit game getting a little tight in the third quarter. It got down to four. I'm pretty sure I remember this play. There was like um there was a real scramble. It was like Jalen went up and, and the and, and it got blocked and it got kind of got swung around and then and then we threw it into Greg Monroe in the in the post and he got us two really they were you know, timing <laughs> I, I I don't know, maybe I'm a little old school on this, but I, some baskets are just a little more important than others, and and getting going from that four-point to six-point buffer is really huge, and he was able to do that at that time. And I think, yeah, Gerald Green is, is actually, a, it's not a comparison I, I've thought of previously, but, yeah, I think that's um, probably right. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, I think so, too. It's definitely worth calling out. Uh, if we
2: face the Celtics in the playoffs, we should totally use them, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now... Uh, one of the more popular posts on the subreddit uh, in the past week. Um, I had this just listed as tweeted by Smith. So uh, I don't know who Smith is. It, uh, I think it's Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith. Maybe oh, Keith Kyle Smith. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, Kyle Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Kyle Smith. Kizer. We'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> Not really. Uh, and he tweeted local TV ratings for the Celtics are up 82%. Kind of crazy when you think about how popular Isaiah Thomas was, and that the Boston Celtics were the number one team in the East last regular season Kyrie Irving exciting young players and being an unexpected contender likely driving this huge increase now uh, we are all uh non countrymen as far as the USA are concerned, so we don't we're not sort of privy to uh, the games even being on TV, let alone the ratings. Um, but despite that, um, it's awesome to see that the Celtics are sort of skyrocketing uh, in their TV ratings. Um, obviously, we as fans have always felt that they're, they're worthy of those kind of ratings. But, um, you know, like Kyle Smith calls out, um, the the addition of both talented young players, Flat Top, Jalen Brown, Dunking and the Short Shorts, uh, and Kyrie Irving, uh, doing everything he does, um, it's good to see that we're sort of as popular um, outside of the subreddit as we are inside of the subreddit. Uh, despite RnBA, screw you guys. We know you hate us, um, but we're good and we're popular. So, and that was posted by user Bill Hondo Truth JB, which is a great username, by the way. Uh, guys, any thoughts on our uh, skyrocketing ratings?
1: I think it probably speaks to just the belief that the that Boston has in the team itself. I mean, obviously you mentioned we were not from there. I imagine that everyone in Boston is quite rabid about their sports and a lot of them are behind the Celtics, the Patriots, the Bruins, the Red Sox and whatnot. But the fact that it's gone up 82% after the season that we were having last year just shows that people are paying attention. I think it all can stem from that trade that came through. You know, Kyrie, you know, the superstar that we did establish earlier, he, but we are all of the opinion that he definitely is. You know, he's going to bring ratings in regardless, you know, you just have to see the ha- the handles that he pulls off, you know, the, 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 the points that he scores. The presence that he is, I think, it speaks volumes that you know people are recognizing the Celtics are absolutely relevant and they will be for some years to come so I think the ratings reflect that
2: yeah i it's hard like you say we're we're, we're not on the ground, so it's hard to know um i I do wonder how much of it is a, a general bump in interest in the n b a um but it seems that our, the you know the rating spike for the Celtics I think they said the wizards as well right the wizards have also had a similar similar sort of increase mm. um yeah, it's hard to know what to attribute it to, but I do wonder whether it's partly that, just the NBA being being uh, pretty ascendant right now. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think I read somewhere on The Ringer uh, recently that the NBA league pass, uh, the second most popular country who purchases league pass is Australia, funnily enough. Um, so I guess to sort of segue from the fact that TV ratings are going up uh, around the States and in Boston for the Celtics, Big following here in Australia as well, possibly part of the reason why uh, a couple of Aussies and the Kiwi uh, have have come together and uh, and put together a podcast about the Celtics. But, you know, if you think basketball is popular in your city of Boston, rest assured uh, it's growing uh, externally as well. So it's something that, um, you know, US fans and international fans alike could be excited about. So another very popular post on our subreddit over the past week uh, was the post that we made for episode one. Of this uh, podcast so you know the mods get a bit of a bad rap around our subreddit for you know potentially being overzealous and removing some content and and highlights and things like that but they did allow us to to post our uh, first episode of our podcast on the subreddit and the reception that we got from you users of the sub uh, was nice and there are a lot of sort of heartwarming positive comments that we got from you guys and uh, we'll just quickly give a few shout outs, guys. Um, did you happen to catch some of those comments?
2: I saw Timmy confirming that he was in fact from Poland. Thanks, Timmy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that made me feel great. i uh, I've been following uh Timmy's highlights and his posts uh, and everything uh, since its inception or at least since I was aware of them and the fact that he like he liked uh, the the post that we made on Soundcloud, he commented on the on the on the post that we made on reddit uh, Timmy, like. Uh, you know, we're a big fan of your work and the fact that you replied to our own work and, and commented on and acknowledged us um, is something that, uh, you know, makes us all feel good. So it's good to uh, to have some of that sort of lack for lack, I suppose.
1: Just about every comment that I saw was just overwhelmingly positive and encouraging. So, you know, just, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I'm sure I speak with everyone here. Thank you so much for, for those kind words. We welcome all positive and negative feedback. Um, and yeah, it's great to see you guys. Thank you so much
2: yeah I, I it's um i think it's just pretty choice because i you know like I'm sure you guys can um remember growing up um out here basketball's a minority sport and 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 it's kind of um you're kind of a little bit lonely as a fan and yeah. it's pretty it's just choice to it's just choice to see um to just see that there's heaps of other people that that like Live and die might be a little strong for me right now, heading into my uh, mid-30s, but um, <laughs> but um, but I get really grumpy when we lose, and it's nice to know that there's other people that have a similar reaction.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, like, a Celtics win uh, or a Celtics loss can totally make or break my day, um, and it's great to be a part of a community uh, with like-minded people, you know, I've got a few NBA fans in Australia, but none of them are Celtics fans. So to have a community like ours where we can come and talk to like-minded people who, whose lives are so sort of um, emotionally affected by the state of the Celtics. Um, and Daniel Tice. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, Daniel Tice,
0: Fungos, Timmy, like, all, you know, uh, Fever's Mirrors, who seems to be the one approved highlight post post game so I don't know what you're doing man but you're doing the right thing you know all these guys like I I really appreciate everyone on the sub um, and I'm excited that we have this ongoing project now where every week we get together and not only talk about the team but talk about the subreddit and all of the wonderful users as well so um, that's been really good well that just about does it for episode 2 of the unofficial Boston Celtics Reddit podcast it is Tuesday February 27 and it is a great day to be a Celtic fan we're going to leave you with the one and only Banner 18 Boogie, and this is courtesy of and with the blessings of Mr. Banner 18 Boogie himself. Between now and when you hear from us next, we've got the Hornets on Wednesday, the Rockets on Saturday, which is sure to be a good primetime matchup. Uh, we all remember what Marcus Smart did to uh, James Harden in the last game. And we've got the Bulls on Monday, which uh, touch wood will be an easy win for us. Jackson, Joe, it's been real. Likewise. Cheese, Mike. All right, guys. Peace.
1: <laughs> so I'll <prove>